Good morning. So I am Jennifer, and this morning I want to walk you through a self-healing process. And really in this process, it's not just going to be us by ourselves healing ourselves. It is us inviting the Holy Spirit in to be able to speak to us, to reveal to us ourselves and walk us through a process in which we can receive healing through Christ. So the Lord has really been working on me, really been doing a major work on me with healing. And one morning he just walked me through this amazing process, which allowed me to see him in a completely different way. Today, I want to talk about Jesus in a new way and getting to know him as a wonderful counselor. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of self-healing. Lord, I thank you for the people who will come here today and diligently work through this process and invite you into it and open themselves up to the exploration of themselves and allowing you to be able to lead the path to their personal healing. God, you're not only a Lord who provides us at the point of salvation, a ticket into heaven. No, deliverance is available for us today. Each day we can be delivered and freed from bondage from the hurts, from the pains of yesterday, from the things that cause us to be inauthentic and to be caught up in the world and distracted from the purpose you have from us and far removed from the identity you've created for us. Lord, today we invite you in. Have your way. All right, so the scripture for this morning is Isaiah 9 and 6. And I'm reading from the NIV. It says, For to us a child, to us a son is born. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful, wonderful counselor. You see, we know the Lord by so many names, but did you know, did you know he was a counselor? So think about the pool of Bethesda. Oh, Jesus walks up on a man that has been waiting for such a long time. 
And the scripture points out, Jesus notices he's been there a long time. And he walks up to the man and he says, do you want to be well? Hmm. Then after that, he says, pick up your mat and walk. He hears all the reasons, all the excuses. I have nobody to pick me up and take. He says, pick up your mat and walk. So today, the Lord asks us, do you want to be well? If so, pick up your mat and walk. Do this inner reflective work. Take your time with it. Work with it. After I mention each step, because it will be a step-by-step process, feel free to hit pause and take as much time as you need to be able to pray into this, to really consider every step and to completely exhaust each instruction and then move on to the next one. It may take you 30 minutes, it may take you an hour, it may take you a week, it may take you a month. This is your healing process and the Lord is patient enough to wait with you to walk you through this. All right, so let's go with step one. I want you to reflect back on your childhood. And I want you to write down each individual that stands out that had a major impact or influence on you. And what we're doing is we're focusing on people in our lives that may have had a negative influence on us. So let's say your mother, your father, your cousin, your teacher, your friend. Now, if you had an absolutely amazing mom and she was great and she baked cookies, that's not probably a person that you want to write down. But if you had a mom that maybe made you feel unloved or uncared for, you had a father that wasn't present, that didn't make you feel worthy, you had a teacher that maybe didn't make you feel seen, you had a grandmother that... um didn't make you feel worthy of their time. These are people that you want to write down. So go ahead and take a second and write that down. Hit pause if you need to. All right, so now step two. Take a look at all those individuals. I want you to circle all of those individuals you felt rejected by. Really look through that list. Hit pause if you need to. Step three. Go back through the list again. You'll be surprised. So maybe there's someone who you look at and you're like, oh, I didn't really experience any like major point of rejection from them, but maybe you all just fell out and you parted ways. With that, take a look at it. Think about why you parted ways. In that parting, was there some point where you did try to reach back out and they didn't call you back? 
they didn't text you back, they didn't respond and sort of left you hanging. That's a form of rejection. You can go ahead and circle that. So if there's any one that you've ever felt rejection by on that list at any point, I want you to circle it. Step four. This is the final look. This is real important. Take one more look through it. Comb through all those individuals that you have not circled. If at any point you felt any sort of rejection by them, I want you to circle those individuals. Now, when you do that, I want you to count up the number of people you have circled. What's that number? All right. Step five. Count up all the individuals you've listed and then now compare that to all of the people you felt rejected by. All of those people you have circled. I want you to really sit with that for a second. Think about all the people in your childhood that you've experienced rejection by. Is it more than half? Sometimes we're surprised by how much rejection we've actually endured in our childhood, but we need to be aware of it because it's important. We're gonna talk a little bit about why here in a second. So let's move on to number six. In step six, I want you to take a minute to write down all of the negative emotions you felt by those individuals. So, for example, if you wrote down your mom, what were the negative emotions that you've experienced? So was it that you felt unloved, uncared for? By your father, did you feel unprotected? By a sibling, did you feel unworthy? There's a reason why you put that, that person on your list. So what was the emotion that was attached to it? How did it make, how did it make you feel? When you're done with step six, you should end up with a pretty long list of these negative emotions that you've experienced from these individuals. And they should be one word. All right. So with that being said, I want you to take those negative emotions and I want you to draw a box and really a rectangle, a square, however you made the list. I want you to just put a box around it. 
Once when you finish putting a box around it, I want you to put a small little circle above the box. Go ahead and do that now. All right, so the reason why I wanted you to do that is because I want you to understand your emotions, those negative emotions, as one big cluster. You put that box around there because that right there is your pain center. That little circle that you put on there Oh, that's a little button right there. That's a trigger point. I'm going to talk about that there in a little bit. But now take a look and review those emotions. That's your pain center that you have inside of you that can be triggered at any moment. All right, now let's move on to step seven. Two things we're going to do on step seven. In step seven, we are going to write down every major stage of your life. And this is going to vary depending on what age you're at right now, what stage you're in in your life. So you're going to write childhood, but you're also going to write adolescence. You're going to write young adulthood. And it could stop there. Or you can write adulthood to go a stage further. You can go into midlife if that's where you're at. And you can't even go on to senior life. It depends on what stage you're at right now with how far you're going to go. But everybody's going to have that childhood, and then you're going to deviate based off of what stage you're at. Go ahead and take a minute to do that. Okay, so now let's also write down every major arena in your life. So these are areas that can be blocked off. And it's for the most part, can be separated from a different arena. So you could say family, church, work, school, a sport, volunteer, Gym is a big thing. You can do that. What are these major arenas of your life? Because you can look at it and you say, all right, I engage here. I do this. I do that. I do this. What are these major arenas? Go ahead and list those out. Here's what I want you to understand now that you've done that. That pain center that you've had since you were a child was created in childhood, yes, but you've carried that pain center 
through every major stage of your life. Because you've done that, you've also carried it into every major arena in your life. And you got to be able to see that not only has it been with you in all these different stages and all these different areas of your life, oh, it's deeply rooted. It's deeply established. And it has the longest existing seed that you have because it goes back since childhood. Not only that, this pain that you experience when you're in childhood, oh, it's the rawest. It's the purest. Why? Because you have no understanding why it's even occurring, why it's happening, why it's existing. You don't understand it. You can't say, oh, my mother, she had a full-time job. She was stressed. She was single. She works all the time. She this, she that. She was abandoned. So have time for me. She's just stressed and overwhelmed and just trying to survive. All you know is you don't feel loved and you don't feel worthy of her time. You may not even know your mom kicked your dad out and said, get away and blocked all access. And your dad doesn't even know where you are. <laughs> you have no understanding of the thoughts that uncle had and why he had to remove himself right away. You, you just don't know. All you know is that you're left with the emotion. And that has a type of pain. Oh, that's so raw. That's so rough. And you tend to internalize that. You tend to think, it's me. What did I do? What happened? Maybe I should uh, do something different because it's directed at me. It has to be because of me. We lack the understanding of it. So because this pain is so raw, we tend to find ways to be able to deal with it. That's important. One of the ways we do this is because this pain is so raw, we don't want people to be able to make us feel that way. We don't want to feel that way. So what do we do? We find a way to cover, to protect the pain center. Oh, we got to secure it. So what we do is we create a measure of defense. We have a self-defense mechanism. So when we feel someone is trying to push or has pushed that pain center, Oh, what do we do? What do we do? It activates something. It activates that self-defense mechanism. Think about it. What is it that you do? Because you may not understand it. And you got to realize other people may not even understand it. Because you could feel such an overwhelming sense of negative emotion that's deep because they did something real light and are unaware of, but because it tapped a pain center that goes all the way back, all oh, you're experiencing a deep hurt, a deep agony, a deep pain. 
But what do you do? Most of us, we run. That's the answer for most of us. Our self-defense mechanism is to run. Is that yours? So you can run physically, right? I'm out. I ain't got time for this. Or do you run mentally and emotionally? I had to check out some way. I got to stop this some way. Maybe I have to stay in the situation. But mentally, I'm not here. Emotionally, I'm not here. I'm checked out. I'm here, but I'm not. <laughs> Which eventually begins to erode at that situation to the point where we may not even have a choice and have to physically leave it and be made to leave it. But there's a trigger. And when it's triggered, it causes a response in us and it causes us to run. Now the devil knows, the devil knows this trigger point. Oh, he knows our pain center way too well. He knows it. He studied us and he knows how to push the button. But we're not going to talk about the devil too much today. We got to understand our role in the natural and what's taking place in the natural. Because we can take part and identifying and healing that pain center. We can. Through the help of the Holy Spirit revealing to us what it is and how. So we're going to move on to the next step. And this is looking at that list of negative emotions, unloved, uncared for, unprotected, unseen, not valued, uh, unworthy. And we're going to think about what we've actually done to guard against that emotion. I want to give you an example. An example could be that you felt unloved. So before, because you felt unloved, you tend to reject love from anyone else because you don't want to receive that love and then risk losing it, right? So what this could result in is you trying to play too cool for school, right? You don't need it. You don't want it. Why? Because you desperately crave it and you don't want to be dependent on it. You could have a negative feeling of being unprotected. And because you felt unprotected, you may carry around this very hard, aggressive exterior, right? Because you don't want people to even try to test you, try to try you because you uh, want to protect yourself. So you want them to be intimidated so that they don't put you in a sense of danger so that you could feel safe. So look at those negative emotions and consider what you've had to do to guard 
against it. All right, now you're gonna have that list. So understand this is a persona. What is a persona? A persona is a fictional character, right? It's an identity that you've made up, that you've invented. Look at that list. Look at it. This is the person you've created to protect yourself against feeling those negative emotions, to protect your pain center. This is almost like a costume that you've done. That's why it could be inconsistent. That's why you could feel all of these interesting emotions when you interact with people like fear or doubt, because there's something inside of you that knows that you're donning a costume and you're worried that at any given moment, they're going to be able to tell that you're wearing a costume. And if they ever saw the real you that's under that costume, that they'd activate that pain center. So understand yourself. Understand the costume that you're donning, that you've created. All right, let's move on to the next step. Step nine. Step nine is I want you to think about those quirks that you have as you are interacting with other people. So when you're by yourself, it's real easy to be nice and calm and collected and chill. Like there's no requirement, you just are. But then you add somebody else into the equation and it changes something. You have to make an adjustment, right? For that other individual. What's that adjustment? I want you to think about it. Are you over talkative? Are you super quiet and shy? You tend to tuck in. Do you always try to kick jokes and be the life of the party? Is it you always uh, played a role and all of a sudden now you just like too cool? You just don't need nobody. You don't need nothing. What are those interesting quirks about you that you can admit to that when somebody else walks in the room, you do. So now, understand the reason why you do this. Think back to those beginning steps and all of the rejection you felt. Some of you guys, those numbers are high. Those numbers are high. It could be almost all the people you encountered in your childhood rejected you. The reason why you have those quirks is because you don't want them to reject you. It's because you want to be sure hmm, that they deposit into you the things you never received. So if you felt unloved, you want them to love you. So you make the adjustment. 
ultimately, many of those people, the reason why you felt that way is because you felt pained by the fact that they weren't willing to make the investment in you. That they wouldn't invest the love, the care, what was needed to see you and make you feel valuable and worthy. And today you want people to make the investment in you. Oh gosh. So you have these quirks so that people will receive you. People will accept you. People will love you. With that being said, we got to think back to all those major stages in our lives from adolescence, childhood, young adulthood, midlife, whatever you actually wrote down and realized that you've carried that pain center as we discussed through those major stairs, those major stages. We also carried them in to every major arena in our lives. We realize that when someone touches that trigger point, it activates something and makes us run. Here's what's important to understand. This could cause us to live in cycles. It could cause us to live in cycles because we could start at a certain point and realize, you know what, I really need to do something. We can enroll ourselves in a school. We can get a good job or seek a promotion at our job and move up. We can do the work to repair our romantic relationships, whatever they may be. We could do the work on ourselves to build character. We could work on our friendships and we could find ourselves really just making progress. But oh, somewhere down the line, somewhere around along that point, someone activates the pain center. Someone hits the trigger point. And what does that do? It causes us to run. But then because we run, because we leave that thing, right? Because you leave a marriage or check out mentally, because you leave a job, that could put you in a bad space. It could have you in a situation where you're experiencing a funk, you're experiencing a depression, and that could reverberate into other areas of your life. You ever have something really difficult happen in your marriage? It could be hard to focus on your schoolwork. It could be hard to focus on your work. You have really um, large amount of issues that are occurring. Somebody tapped that pain center on your job and now you got to go home and deal with your marriage, deal with your kids, you could struggle in that area too. So when that trigger point is activated in a certain area and it makes you 
run in some capacity, it could begin to affect all of the other areas. And it could keep you, instead of being at a point where you were at a 180, it could bring you back around to where you start running away from a lot of things in your life and notice a lot of things are going downhill. And it may not lead you to where you started from, right? But it could get you pretty darn close. And then it happens again where you notice and you rebuild. May not lead you back to the starting point, but somebody activates that trigger point and there you go. And then you just find yourself, yes, making some progress in your life. You're not here anymore, but you're just steady in these cycles. Does that resonate with anybody? Oh, it resonates with me. It resonates with me. And why? Why? Because of that pain center that's being activated. And when somebody touches that pain center, it has an effect. It elicits a response. And that response has impact. It has an effect. We got to know this because this is why the Lord brought us to this point, right? He brought us to this point in our lives so we can see ourselves, so we can receive healing first and foremost because he loves us, but also because, oh, the Lord, he wants to do something in your life, right? He's like, behold, do you see I'm doing a new thing? But in order for that thing to take hold, I need you to let go of the former, former things. And the only way you can let go of the former things is if you deal with them. I need you to see them. I need you to deal with them. And then I need you to let go of them. I need you to release them. And here's why. Because of the Lord. When the Lord leads you to the training he needs you to go to, whether it be a school, a college, a university, a tech school of some sort, I'm going to lead you to the place where I need you to go to get the skill set, to get the credentials that I need you to be able to have to fulfill your purpose. Oh, and then he brings you the wife the husband that you want, or he brings deliverance in the wife and the husband that you already has, or brings you the boyfriend and the girlfriend that will eventually become your wife or your husband. Oh, he brings you the home that you've always been wanting. Uh, he brings you into the identity that he's always had for you. He brings you the ministry that he desires you to have. He bursts and activates those spiritual gifts so you can walk in the power of his spirit. Oh, he sets you up with this amazing life. All it's going to take is someone to push that pain center Activate that pain center and all of it, maybe not right away, but all of it begins to come tumbling down. <laughs> and all the work you've done with the Lord comes right back down to a crash. And there's your cycle. And what the Lord knows is the devil knows that pain center and he's going to activate it as many times as he can to destroy, 
to kill, steal, and destroy what the Lord has placed in your life. So you got to deal with that pain center. So when the Lord blesses you, not just so that you can get the blessing, but so that you can keep the blessing. So many times we're so much in a hurry, in a rush to get the blessing. Okay, when you get the blessing, what you going to do with it? And can you maintain it? Are you mature enough spiritually? Are you mature enough? Even in the natural, just to be in your character to be able to maintain what the Lord blesses you with. In order to do that, you have to be able to understand yourself. You have to be able to understand the decisions that you're making and how you make those decisions so you don't end up making decisions that tear down the very blessings that the Lord gives you. So now, here's an important point. We only have a couple more steps here, but we doing some work. We don't need to rush through this. So step 10, I want you to take a sticky note, okay? Take a nice little sticky note. I want you to write on this sticky note all the arenas and all the people in your life that you've walked away from, that you know was for your good. So let's just say you walked away from your church. Let's say you walked away from your pastor. Let's say you walked away from your mentor. Let's say you walked away from your husband, your boyfriend. You walked away from job. You quit school. You quit volunteering, you quit that apprenticeship, you quit that sport, you quit this, you quit that, you walked away from this. I want you to list all of those things you've walked away from. Now, step 11. Take that list. Take that list that you have, and I want you to go back to the step where you actually wrote down all of your negative emotions, the ones that say unloved, uncared for, etc. Because we're about to make a really important connection here. I want you to pretty much just take the list and compare the two and say, I walked away from church because I felt one of these emotions. You could have felt multiple emotions, and that's important to identify as well. I walked away from my husband. I walked away from my wife. I walked away from my teacher. I walked away from my job because I felt unprotected, because I felt unseen, because I felt unworthy. I felt um undervalued. I felt dumb. Any of those different things that you can make the connection to, it's important to make the connection. So go ahead and do that at this point. Okay. So here is why that is important. Us. As Americans, we it's just our culture. It's our way. We need to be able to, and it's the way how our brain works. We want to quickly identify a situation, learn it, label it, and 
deal with it as soon as possible and push it to the side. We want to wrangle it down. We want to conquer it. And then we want to get it out of the way. So we feel uneasy. We feel uncomfortable. We feel a sense of pain. And we want to be able to say, it's that person. If I leave that person, I won't feel that anymore. If I leave this job, I will no longer feel that anymore. If I quit school, that's the source. Yep, that's the reason I'll no longer feel that way anymore. We're so quick to look for an external source. But then we don't realize that we just found another friend and that other friend made me feel the same way. I went to another job and on that job, this supervisor, they made me feel the same way. Okay. Now I went to another job. It wasn't the supervisor this time. It was a coworker that made me feel the same way. Oh, there's a devil that's using people that's using things. But you got to understand it's not coming from outside of you. It's coming from within. So people say life will teach you the same lesson over and over and over until you get it. Right? What is it? It's that pain center that's being activated time and time again. It's in us. And it's been there for a while. That's why no matter where you go in life, you can't escape it. Because it's in you. It's in you. All right. So now this is the final step. You have to invite the Lord in to tell you how to actually solve this problem. He's at this point led you through this process as you invited him in to do it. Now you've got to ask him what the solution is, how to heal it. Now, I can tell you how he told me that I needed to heal my issues that I had, right? Number one, he told me you need to take off the persona. Two, you need to stop those little quirks you have in relation to others. And he walked me through a process on how to do it, right? For the Lord, one of the things that he told me to do is you need to just focus on being authentic. You need to focus on not performing. You're not a jest. You're my child, <laughs> You're not a clown in a circus that needs to entertain. You are my precious daughter, right? And these are relating to some of the quirks that I had. As far as some of the um, things that I was doing that made up my persona that I need to stop doing to remove the personas to make sure I operate in my authentic self, to be more gentle, to be kind to be more vulnerable, 
to be able to just feel what's going on in the moment. Now, the Lord spent a lot of time with me to walk me through this process on how I could begin to work through my healing and to be able to deal with all that stuff. But that's based off of the quirks I have, the persona that I had, the negative emotions that I had, what I did constructed, what I felt, what I experienced. You have a different experience. I don't know what your persona is. I don't know what your quirks are. So I can't tell you how to deconstruct it, right? And then this is only a moment in time. The Lord wants to work with you on complete healing, not just a portion. He wants you completely restored. This is a process you have to work through the Lord. Now, some of those things resonate with you that I said, please take them to the Lord, pray over it, and feel free to implement it. But the Lord is a counselor for you. He has a specific strategy, a specific purpose that's tailor-made just for you at a pace, at an intensity, at an accessibility that's made just for you. So you have to be able to go to him for it, to allow him to walk you through it. One of the things that we need to understand about this pain center is not only about its deep roots, not only about its long existence, but that because it hit so deep and it so raw that it creates a longing and a desperation for us that we don't even realize that we're seeking others for. It's not even others, it's even things. You can think about a boss. You don't understand why you're so hurt by some of their actions. It's because they're tapping in a pain center and it hurts. You've looked for them so that you can feel valued, so you can feel some form of love, so you could feel accepted, so you wouldn't feel rejected, so you could feel invested in. You didn't realize you were looking for that for him, but it's a longing, it's a desperation, it's a desire you've had since childhood. You've just placed it on them. And because they didn't meet it, oh, you're ready to leave that job now. Because you have such a longing and desperation to have this thing be filled you could seek alcohol, you could seek drugs, you could seek anything just to heal that wound that you have that goes all the way, way back. Oh, if you don't deal with this pain center, it shows up in so many ways. You could really destroy relationships and opportunities because of it. Maybe you realize you're seeking it and because you don't want to, it creates awkwardness and uncomfort or discomfort in relationships, right? Because like you realize you're seeking it and you're longing it and you don't want to. So sometimes you're here, sometimes you're not, you're wishy-washy. You just, it makes you unstable. It makes you double-minded, right? Because you want it, but you don't want to have to want it. You don't like the fact that you, you want it and need it. 
Oh, it'll wreak havoc in your life. So you've got to wrestle this down, but you got to invite the Lord in to be able to do that for you. So this is the process the Lord walked me through one morning. It was absolutely incredible. I understood myself so well because of it. It was a part of my healing process. It wasn't the whole healing process. And I invite you in to be able to do more healing. If you want to go beyond this, there's certainly more things that you can do. You can expand that list out and you can write down everybody throughout every major stage of your life that had a negative impact that you may want to deal with. You could want to write down your um, wife or husband now, your supervisor now, people in your life now. Identify those negative emotions, right? Seek to understand it. Once when you're done with that, you can also write down a letter to them. Write down, get all that stuff out purge it, right? Write down how they made you feel, what you experienced. Write down how you feel about it. Now you can give it to them and may start a great conversation or you can just hold on to it and it could be just for you. The next thing you could also do is you can write down a letter from them to you. Put yourself in that their position. Write down what they must have been feeling, how they experienced things, your role in the matter. You might be surprised what the Holy Spirit reveals to you as you put yourself in their position. The next thing you could do is you can write a letter of forgiveness. With that forgiveness, you can release them. Some people put it, attach it to balloons and float it away. Some people burn it, you know, you can hold on to it. You could tear it up and throw it in the trash. And even that has some therapeutic purposes, right? To allow you to just release and to let go. But really we want to get to a state of forgiveness so we can heal the wound that exists and we can let it go. We can also do... Um, some more prayer and pray into it. So we can have our heart set on forgiveness all day. And all of us have known this. I have done this. I have forgiven somebody. Oh, I forgave them so much. <laughs> oh, I forgave them. And then, and then what happened? What happened? I saw them and it triggered it right back up. Something happened and then it just, it was a flare up. Right back to ground zero again. And I'm wondering like, what happened, Lord? What happened? <laughs> I thought I did this and it was real, wasn't it, Jesus? Like I cried. I went through the whole process. I said, Lord, I, take me instead. I Forgive me. Forgive me for what I did. It was all me. Matter of fact, I repent. And still, but we got to understand it took sometimes so long to build up this unforgiveness. We held on to it. We stacked 
hooked on to it. And forgiveness sometimes happens in layers and we need to be able to work through those layers and it's not going to happen in a moment. It could be something that happens over time and it's just a process. And the Lord wants us to be able to lean into process and not be so focused on those quick fixes, right? He's not a genie in a bottle. He's a real friend. Our God is a real father that wants to talk to us and wants to work through things with us and wants to um, co-partner with us and co-create with us and be a partner in our healing and have us have some skin in the game, some investment in it. So I hope this blessed you. Um, I really hope that you share this with someone who you know needs to do some work because who doesn't? So I want to go ahead and pray us out. Dear Emily, Father, Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, this healing process is absolutely incredible. Lord, I ask that you open us up to even more healing. Let the healing that we've done today only be the start of the journey that you have before us. Lord, let us lead us into our promised land. Let it lead us into purpose. Let it lead us into destiny. God, let others see how we've transformed, how we healed, how we've been made complete and whole. Let them not seek to try an effort in this life to gain the approval of man, but let us seek you for healing and restoration and be able to live just in the truth of who we are. Let this healing, oh gosh, transform others and allow others to seek healing, not just our co-workers, our friends, but our husbands, our wives, our children. Oh, let them seek healing and be healed because of the work that you've done in us. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. We give you all the glory. Amen. Bye.